Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. We have a very special guest today we would like to welcome back to the podcast. Please welcome back, Brooks Warren. What it do, y'all? What it do, man? I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me, as, as always. How are you doing today, Brooks? Man, it's going to be a long day for me. I got a whole bunch of stuff going on, but the best part of my day is happening right now. I was excited for this podcast. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. So we have a we have a loaded episode today. We're going to revisit the episode where we talked about the Maryland basketball scene, but specifically we're going to talk about the Maryland men's and women's basketball teams and the Towson men's and women's basketball teams. So let's begin with the Towson men's basketball team who just won two straight games against UNC Wilmington on Monday the 18th and Tuesday the 19th. So let's start with Brooks. What do you think Towson has to do in order to win the CAA? Man, probably they're going to have to ride Zane Martin. You know, he's arguably their best player, arguably their most – I mean, not arguably, he is their most experienced guy. they got to make sure they ride him. they got to make sure that he keeps playing like he has been because – Otherwise, it's just going to be a struggle, man. And I, I, I want Towson to do well, man. Um, Towson's coach has been there for a, a good minute, and it seems like his seasons always fluctuate between solid and then like poor. You know, we, we need to. It's good to have consistency at the head coach position, but you need to get to a point where you're winning more than anything else. You know, they they were what fourth in the conference last season. Um, they could have, I mean, they could have, they could have made the NCAA tournament, but they weren't able to. So he's got to get to that point where it's time to go and and let's make this Towson a really good mid major program. Jalen, what do you think? Um, I mean, looking at it, bro. I mean, I think Brooks put in a real perspective. Like, I think Zane Martin is like the guy. I mean, just in the last few games that you were referring to, I mean, twenty four six and five in the last game. Then right before that goes for 21-4-2. Like, he's he's not only there, like, like he said before him, in terms of being the most experienced guy, he's also, the, like, the most willing, like, attacker of the basket. He's the most willing guy to go get his own shot. He's the most willing guy to go score on this team in general. We kind of figured that Timberlake, uh, Nicholas Timberlake, would be a guy that might step up this year. You know, coming off of a, a, a relatively nice freshman season that might have set the bar a little high because he played so well on both sides. Um, I think another thing that stands out to me, though, is that Charles Thompson hasn't really taken a leap of any kind. You know what I mean? They were talking about him a lot last year. I mean, you know, Brooks, Ryan, we went and, got, went and saw them play live a couple of times last year. And he wasn't really a guy who, like, flashed too much, but there was always that, like, potential factor with him. And we kind of figured that maybe it was because of guys like um, like Tunstall that they had um, senior forward last year that maybe that was the reason why Thompson was being held back a little bit, was just because, you know, younger guy on somewhat, not really a minutes restriction, but he wasn't playing nearly as much because Thompson was getting, uh, Dennis Thompson was getting the, the bulk share of the minutes. Um, I think between that and Kari Sanders, their, their little pairing, overall, I think one of the biggest things when you look at Thompson right now is that I feel like they're missing some of that senior leadership that they had last year, and I think throwing them in a really weird spot 
And then when you factor in the fact that Allen B. Train, somebody, me and Ryan were looking forward to specifically as maybe getting the keys to the car offensively for this team, transferring to Rhode Island, it kind of threw this team in a situation. Yeah, for sure. I think it hurt. I think that was a lot of fluctuation in one offseason and throw on top of that, everything going on with the season being on and off because of COVID, pro- excuse me, COVID protocol. It's, it, you know, it's tough. It's tough. And for all the reasons that you mentioned in terms of senior leadership, they really don't have that senior leader. If you want to count Zane Martin, who's averaging close to 17-5 and five a game, he could be that senior leader, but he wasn't there last year because he was at New Mexico and he came back to Towson this year. And when you mentioned Charles Thompson and the leap that we thought he was going to take this year, we haven't really seen that. He is averaging close to 10 and 5 a game, which is which is good, but I feel like they're going to need more production out of Charles Thompson as well. And then with uh, Nick Timberlake, he was out for a good majority of last season with an injury. And I feel like it's great to have him back, but I feel like they need more. And it's going to transition to my next question, and I'll start with Brooks again on this one. What sort of role would Alan Beatred have had if he had stayed at Townsend? I mean, I, I think uh, Jalen touched on it, the fact that he probably had the keys to the car. You know, and he'd probably make a really good one-two punch, maybe one-one-a punch with, uh, with Zane Martin. You know, Zane Martin, he, he left Towson after averaging, what was it, 20 and 8? Maybe his, his sophomore year, he thought he was going to get some NBA looks when he, when he left. Turn, didn't turn out that way. And, you know, you have two guys that can really go. They can go get a bucket. They'll compete for you on the defensive end. I think the whole team would have just been following their energy. And Alan Beatran would have had a great junior year with the team. You know, he, right now he's with Rhode Island. Uh, Rhode Island's I'm not sure what their record is, but I think they're to a, going on a so-so uh, start. And he's just another guy on that team. So I feel like I don't I don't know what the whole reason was, but I feel like maybe Ellen might be uh, missing out a little bit being on this team where he could have been the man instead of just going out for wins. Jalen, do you agree? I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is just like it seems so odd. Like I don't know if it was for like NBA look purposes or like just because Rhode Island maybe gives him a better chance in a, in a more competitive conference to like showcase, but like he hasn't really played very much from at least you know ryan i remember when we first saw that rhode island was uh the team he had moved to we actually looked to see if he had gotten any pt and early on he didn't even play and since then it hasn't really been very much from that i think the biggest thing for Tran though is just the fact that he played so well in minutes where he was asked to be the primary facilitator for the team last year we saw a lot of really good stretches from him where they would just kind of ask him to, you know, create for himself. And he could do so in a really, like, efficient manner. I think that was the thing that would have been really effective for them this year, too. I I think overall when you look at Towson, it's just a lot of stuff going on in terms of this season where you can see some of the the bigger things that they had going for them last year not present anymore you know what i mean leading scorer graduates two leading rebounders graduate um you're the guy that you think is going to be your next you know dominant ball uh, ball dominant guard transfers i think they're just kind of getting hit in a lot of different areas i the biggest thing here too and 
you know, Ryan, forgive me if I'm wrong, because I, I think this is something that we had looked at last uh, last season when we were all covering them like closer. But Jawan Gray was injured for most of last season too, right? Especially down the stretch, and he has been a guy who still like hasn't really shown up very much this year either. He's another one of those guys that like they spoke super highly of when we would like talk to uh, Coach Pat Scary and stuff like that. But it seemed like. With all the hype, he was also never really on the court, and it kind of feels like he has a, a limited impact now, too. And I kind of feel like going back to the games that we saw, UMBC and George Washington, I feel like Juwan Gray had a winning effect on both sides of the floor in both of those games, and especially he, spe- he stepped up big time against George Washington in the first game of the season. And I think Towson... He, he was one of the reasons why Towson was so successful early in the season where we all thought that they had a chance to win the CAA and go to the NCAA tournament. But, again, it happened in the CAA tournament. They really struggled, and they couldn't get any momentum to ride into the NCAA tournament, possibly winning the CAA tournament. But I want to transition to the women's team because there is a lot of bright spots with this Towson women's team. Kiana Jeter's averaging 24 points a game. Siobhan yes, Smith sir, big mellow. Siobhan Smith's averaging 15.5 points per game. Aliyah Nelson, 13 points a game. Allie Kubek, 11 points a game. Brooks, I want to start again with you. Is there a real chance that Kiana Jeter is a top pick in the WNBA draft? Ah, man, that's, that's such a hard question to answer, man, because, I mean, for one, she's at a disadvantage of being – at a mid-major school, like maybe the last mid-major pick to be a top pick was Elena De La Don, and she was at Delaware, um, and she was putting up spectacular numbers, similar to what Kiana Jaders is doing. Uh, I mean, and and this draft is loaded with really good guards. This potential draft is loaded with pretty good guards. So, if she were to be picked, I I feel like it'd be second, third round of the draft. I don't think she's gonna get first round looks i mean that's not and that's not a that's that's not a diss to to, to mudlo because i'm a big fan of hers i think she is a pro player but it's just hard for me to to say that she's gonna get more looks than a high major guard at let's say a umd or you know a uconn whatever it may be uconn they're struggling not well no they're not struggling but they're not as great as they usually are they're not as dominant as they usually are Kiana, she just has such a big mountain to, to to go over. And she has multiple 20 to 30 point games this season. Especially yeah, we know up. she can score. And, and like, Jalen and I have said this in the past. Kiana G is a bucket getter. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I feel like she leads this team in terms of the scoring offense. I mean, this team is second in scoring offense. She's in the top 10 in terms of points per game. In the entire in the entire NCAA, I feel like that she's really one of the main reasons why Towson's been so successful. But I want to transition to Jalen on this. As a team overall, what do you believe is the ceiling for Towson? Um, so to start off, you, you know, if you if you don't know Brooks the way I know Brooks, that just killed him a little bit to have to pull back like that because Kiana is really his homie for real. So 
he knows that he he knows that she can go get a bucket. So he knows for sure that like <laughs> as much as we love the fact that she's with Towson, she probably would benefit more from a draft perspective if she was somewhere else. We all kind of feel that way about that, but that's that's fast. And when it comes to um when it comes to the feel of Towson basketball right now, especially for the women's side, there's got to be a certain level of confidence right there, right? I mean, winning the conference last year was probably huge. Um, I think one of the bigger things for them overall is just the fact that if you look at the trajectory that they've been on so far, it kind of felt like this was like a big year for them to be able to take another like significant leap, you know, there's a little bit of a humbling towards the end of last season, obviously, coming yeah. off of uh, the CAA tournament. So it was one of those things where, you know, it's kind of welcome to big league basketball after that. You know, our conference is no, our, is no joke over uh, over the, the course of the last couple of years, across the board, really. And that's been one of the things that's hurt, that hurt the men's team is come CAA play, Things start getting really scrappy, real dicey, and you know, again, I'm on reference to it before. Uh, uh, again, we've been to a couple of those games. If there's one thing that we can say about the men's team in particular is that they struggle to close games, and you know, against conference play, you got to be able to nail the calm down. And I think the biggest thing with you know Towson women's basketball right now is you know they're coming off of two losses between uh, James Madison and St. Francis PA, but. Still, I just feel as though they're in a really good position heading into this weekend because I think these two games for Hofstra, two games against Hofstra back-to-back this weekend are going to kind of set the precedent for how they move throughout the rest of conference play. Because it's going to be like this where they're having these, like, essential back-to-backs for the rest of the season. Like, like I mean, they've got uh, William and Mary back-to-back, Charleston back-to-back. And then, I mean, they get to see James Madison again before getting Northeastern back-to-back. So I think this little stress that they've got of back-to-back games is not only going to be a chance to, like, learn more about their team overall. Because, let's remember, it's an odd year. It's a really odd year. So every chance they get on the court is almost like a practice in itself. And then you throw on top of that the fact that it's conference competition, that means that, you know, the competitiveness is going to be high. So I think we'll learn a lot about this team. But they got to feel pretty comfortable just because it's – Two losses should knock them down as a team that's like relatively strong in a lot of areas. Brooks, do you agree with that? Do you think that the, the those stretch of games are really going to define their season? Uh, more or less. I think the I think the thing with this team is the fact that you mentioned the fact that they have three or four double digit scores. This team is a lot more balanced than it was last year. They got guys that can consistently get a bucket, consistently get you a stop. Melo is the undisputed star, is the undisputed star of that team. Last year, she had Nakaya Mayo with her, and Nakaya was arguably just as important to the team as Melo was. So now she can just worry about scoring. Aaliyah Nelson, a bit of an upgrade from Q as a point guard. You know, she can get her own bucket. She's not going to just worry about facilitating. She doesn't go after the home run play every time she plays. I think that's great. I think they do have to get big wins against Hofstra. Um, you know, this is the time for them to really stamp who they are in conference play. And that's the one thing I'm excited for them. I'm Jalen Jalen said it himself. I'm a big fan of Melo. She knows it. Everybody knows it. Coach Rich knows it too. So I just want to see them do well. Um I, I agree with Jalen. So speaking of conference play, this is a good transition to the Maryland men's basketball team 
who are currently two and six in conference play with an eight and seven overall record. They recently beat ranked teams like Illinois and Wisconsin on the road, but they lost to Michigan and Iowa in double digit games. Brooks, I want to start with you and I want to use a question that Jalen asked me when we were talking about the Maryland basketball scene. Do you believe that if Maryland does not make the Elite Eight or the Final Four or even the Sweet 16, that Mark Turgeon should be fired? Honestly, last year probably would have been the time for them to make Elite Eight, Sweet 16, Final Four. You know, that team was it – was, it was probably better than the team um, – from Melo's sophomore year when they had Rasheed Suleiman and Diamond Stone and all that, like that team really came together. I mean, they weren't a great shooting team, but everything else, they were really good. They were comeback kids. They had a lot of fun playing with each other. Everybody was bought in. Anthony Cowan, he had his struggles, but we all knew he's the leader of that team. Jalen Smith, he's gone. Lottery or not yeah, he is a lottery pick. So I feel like this team right now it doesn't have the identity that last year's team did. Who are they going to for that big bucket? Um, there are more so. Don't get me wrong. Great player. Uh, really good leader. But he's not the same as a Cowan or a Jalen Smith. You know, I was expecting a big leak from Eric, Eric Elia. And he's not delivering as much as we need him to do. So, you know, who are you going to go to, man? I mean, that's the biggest question. And honestly, I feel like Coach Turgeon, it might be time for him to go because we expect so many great things from him, and he can and he continues to just not deliver. You know, we played against Michigan, and Hunter Dickinson, the guy from Dematha, Madison, Madison Ave, he's talking about, oh yeah, they didn't recruit me hard enough. You know, I hope after this game they end up going to Dematha to go to recruit some WCAC guys. There's no reason why Maryland doesn't dominate locally. They should have a Hunter Dickinson. They should have an Earl Timberlake. You know what I mean? Someone at Prentice Hub at Notre Dame. He should be in the Maryland jersey. I don't understand why there is no emphasis on local recruits. Notre Dame, Michigan, they recruit our guys better than Maryland does. That doesn't make any sense, guys. Jalen, I think you kind of know how I feel about this, but I want to let you go first. Do you believe that if Maryland does not make the Sweet 16, Elite 8, or Final Four, that Mark Turgeon should go? Bro, so I'm going to pick up where Brooks left off because, like, I was literally kind of, like, low-key shaking because he's spitting facts in, like, the scariest way possible. And this is why I wanted him on because he knows this scene, like, better than anybody that I know in terms of the local DMV area. And it drives me nuts how many, like, non-DMV kids are usually on this guy's team. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he has to build, like, some Maryland super squad or something like that, but... We, we're acting like the DMV doesn't have hoopers, and this is crazy to me that the prime program in the area is always the one that, like, swings and misses or, like, doesn't even pull the trigger, which is, like, the most interesting part about it. The thing about this, too, right, when we talk about Mark Turgeon's job in particular, if you go beyond just um, his recruiting process, right, it's always um, it's always up and down with the seasons themselves. Ryan, we talked about this earlier on this year. They start off 
I think, what, 4-0 or something like that. And we're feeling like, really decent about them. But our initial question was, like, when is this going to tail off? Like, we're already preparing for, like, when is this going to tail off? And then things slowly start to kind of, like, you know, dip. And then we get in the conference play, and it's getting ugly. I mean, let's put this in perspective real quick because there's, there's a lot of things that, that don't make sense to me. You look at this year, and the games that you would hope they're the most competitive in are the ones that they don't show up. In, against Iowa, they get smacked. Indiana just beat, just, just beat Iowa the other day. Against Michigan, smacked by dang near the exact same score. I mean, you lose to Indiana, lose to Michigan again. So what what this this team right here, and Turgeon in particular, it seems like his only excuse this year would be, besides COVID, would be that you don't have NBA-level talent. You know, the last couple of years it's been, you know, Jalen Smith beforehand. They had Bruno Fernando the year before. Um, obviously, he no was way. there for Kevin Herter as well. It might be Aaron Wiggins. I don't think he would be drafted. If if he were, it would be like really late in the second round. I don't think in this draft in particular, where there's a lot of younger guys and a lot of guards in particular, kind of like what Bruce was talking about for the WNBA draft, it's kind of the exact same thing over here. Um, there's a good handful of big guards, a whole good handful of guards, a handful of really strong wings. So, like, I don't even think Aaron Wiggins is like a legit prospect. But if anything, he would maybe get drafted late second round. That 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 wasn't the case for Bruno Fernando and Jalen Smith, who I think we could openly say without disrespecting them that Phoenix taking him in the lottery was like a shock to everybody. Ryan, I think when we did our NBA breakdown for the draft, we had him somewhere around like twenty something for like one of the first picks for the Celtics. So to put that in perspective, that's kind of what we projected him as talent for. So it was kind of surprising to see that. Nonetheless. Golly, it's like this dude, I mean, like I said beforehand, he kind of sets everything up real nice for us to feel really good. And then he kind of like, I don't know, his team always seems to tail off towards the back end of the year. And I'll tell you that much, if you're that consistently inconsistent, we have to start questioning your position as a head coach for the team if we're talking about moving the program forward. Yeah. And just just to back off of Jalen's statement there, like, and I appreciate you saying I know the scene, bro. I I'm struggling right now. I miss being in a gym. I miss being in a high school gym, bro. Like, yeah, bro. I can tell this. I think you can tell it's eating. No, I just like I said, I didn't talk to Brooks on his side a couple of times. And this is his thing right here. So. Yeah, man. It's really, I wish I was gonna be at a. I wanted to be at St. James. I ended up um, applying for credentials a little late, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the fact, once again. Trevor Kills is the is a monster, and he's he's this top three is Villanova, Duke, and UVA. UVA is, is technically a local school, but again, he should be in their top four. He should be in their top three. There's no reason why. Once again, you don't recruit local guys. I have a friend who's an assistant coach at Dematha, and he was saying how there was a Maryland coach who was asking about Earl Timberlake, who's at Miami. He was saying. Oh, can this guy coach? My friend's like, yeah, this guy can coach. Or this guy can shoot. It's like, oh, yeah, bet. We're going to recruit him. Why weren't you doing that his sophomore year? Why weren't you doing that freshman season before he he went from Rock Creek to the Matha Lake? These guys are just really loafing. You know what I mean? Maryland, Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, you should be recruiting these areas hard. You should be going to New York. 
you should be going to let's say uh Ohio, Michigan. Um I mean I don't even know where else I can't even think of off the top of my head. Georgia, Texas. You should be going to these areas to get these top level recruits, but you gotta get three stars, four star guys. There's a lot of talent here. We are the new Mecca of basketball here. Stop acting like you don't know it, bro. Don't stop acting like you don't have a, a bevy of talent in your backyard. You can you can go to four ninety five and visit Baltimore and get Justin Lewis or um or uh I can't remember the other guy's name from Polly. He's he's at IMG right now. You could have gotten him too. There's no I just don't get it. And it's really frustrating. They need to get a coach who really respects this area. Is it is it's it's it really irritates me. Jalen, like I said, you probably know how I feel about this, but we did an episode. One of our first episodes on the Hoop Talk podcast was creating our all-DMV lineup. And, if Jalen, if you remember, we both had the same five guys. That proves that there's talent in the DMV area. It's there. Brooks has mentioned it. And I look up and down this roster. There's not one guy that has over 15 points a game. The closest is Eric Ayala with close to 14. There's not one guy on this roster that screams NBA prospect either. And this is by far maybe the worst roster that Mark Turgeon has had in terms of talent, in terms of development. Here's the thing. When we talked about our ACC breakdown, Jalen and I went over Clemson. Clemson didn't have a definitive star on that team. But there was a reason why they were winning games. They were holding their opponents to under 50, 60 points a game. Maryland can't do that. Like, they're getting blown out by 20 points to Iowa, and then they're getting blown out by 20 to um, Michigan. And like you mentioned, Hunter Dickinson had a great game against them, and he came from DeMatha, which is a Maryland school. Literally right up the street from College Park. Literally up the street. Exactly. And the thing is, Maryland is great sometimes. Not all the time. They can beat Wisconsin on the road. That was a huge win for them. They can beat Illinois on the road with an NBA prospect in Ayodesumu. But they can't do that against Iowa. They can't do that against Michigan. They probably can't do it against Michigan State either. And then just to close it out, Marturgeon needs to go. And it's the second time I've said it on this podcast. The fact is... How many times has he made the Elite Eight? Zero. How many times has he made the Final Four? Zero. How many championships has he won? Zero. How many Sweet Sixteens has he made? One. One. That was on a team with Jake Lehman, Melo Trimble, Diamond Stone. That was maybe his best team outside of last year. Last year, I believe, was his, was his second best team because of the amount of NBA talent that was on there. But the fact is, that's the closest that Mark Churgeon has been to winning the NCAA championship. This just circles back to the point that even though Turgeon has a better overall record, he can't recruit, and he can't win a championship. Brian, it is, this is the easiest way to put in perspective, bro. What did you say when we did our first looking at the Maryland uh, situation when we recorded before? This will This will make it all clear. What we ended off on that and how we'll end off on the men's, the men's team for this one is this. Ryan said what they do against top-level competition the first time they meet them will tell us a lot about what this team is. Around that time, it was Clemson, 
who's twenty, who's ranked twentieth in the country right now. That was the team that we had circled on the calendar for it. What happened against Clemson? Blown out by sixteen. That's that's this team to me. Like that's this team, and that's the most unfortunate part about it. Like if that's the bar that we're setting, is the first you play Mount St. Mary's, Navy, St. Peter's, and you're like killing. And then the minute you meet competent competition, you like literally fold over like a lawn chair. You you told me enough about where this team is gonna go. I mean, Ryan called it back then, and honestly, it's only gotten. I don't want to say worse, but it's tension not gotten better since. Jalen, it's gotten worse by miles. Like, it's not. <laughs> Jalen, this team is so inconsistently consistent to the point where I don't know how you can be a fan of Maryland basketball. They have these high expectations. Like, I remember, I'll go back to the year where they had Jake Lehman, Melo Trimble, and Diamond Stone. Wasn't their preseason ranking third in the nation? And yes. They ended up finishing the season out of the top twenty-five. Out of the top twenty-five, yo. And then another thing, and I'll just I'll make another point about this. Their first four games, they were great, but again, who did they play? That one game against St. Peter's, did Hakeem Hart have like thirty-three points? Yeah, he was. He looked like a monster season. that game. I was thinking, man, that guy is going to end up being an NBA prospect. But he's averaging nine points a game in 15 games. I mean, he's shooting the ball well from the field, 50%. He's shooting the ball well from three, 39%. But then here you guys are, eight and seven, two and six in conference play. It's time. I want to move on now to Maryland women's basketball. And Jalen, you mentioned on our Unsung Hoopers episode for women's college basketball that Diamond Miller, who is averaging, I believe, 19 points a game, she's been the star for this team. Jalen, what about Diamond Miller's game impresses you the most? Shot creation, bro. That's the first thing I think of. Very aggressive drivers, shot uh, creation on shot for himself, for himself, for others. They, this is a team that plays really team-oriented basketball. And, um, I mean, they shoot the ball relatively well. Um, I think the biggest thing is that they can do it throughout the entirety of the roster. Like, Chloe Bibby has showed up uh, big. And the win against Wisconsin, she has uh, 17-6-5. Um, this team just play. I mean, they, they walk around with five to six double-digit scores, and you feel it when you watch them play. Now, I think the biggest thing that might hurt them the most is just the fact that as a team, they're not the greatest three-point shooting team. They've got shooters, but as a team, they don't shoot the three ball extremely well. But, I mean, the biggest thing for them is the fact that they show up in conference play um, <laughs> low-key like no other. I think that one of the biggest things for them is just the fact that they are a team that – they know how to start out games really strong and then finish them stronger. And I think that's one of the most important things. We just talked about this for the men's team. One of their biggest issues is closing games. Um, one of their biggest issues is closing games, too. And that's how they're getting burned, like, in the second half, where it's getting ugly fast. But, I mean, like I said, they've got a handful of a handful of players in double figures. Ashley Owusu is another one. They had 20 um, against Michigan State, along with uh, Chloe Bibby, who also had 20. So, I mean, you throw on top of that, that Diamond Miller, I told you beforehand that I felt like 
she was a WNBA prospect. I felt as though Kiana Jeter was probably more NBA ready based on her overall game, but we had had that discussion beforehand in terms of guards. I said that maybe I, I feel like Jeter might be a little bit more ready or have a little bit more of an overall package because she plays on both sides of the floor a lot better than you would anticipate at 5'8 for her position. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know for women's basketball, 5'8 is not, like, screaming. But at the same time, when we're talking about being able to get your shot off at the next level and different things like that, it's still something that has to be pointed at. But Diamond Miller is no slouch offensively either. And the fact that she has a significantly score-heavy team around her only kind of makes her job easier. And then she doesn't, she's not the only one that has to pop off on a nightly basis. But I think that she's WNBA-ready to a certain extent. Brooks, do you agree? Do you believe that Diamond Miller is a WNBA prospect, or do you see somebody else on this team that could be a, a WNBA prospect? Dude, UMD women's – first first point is this. UMD, Diamond, no – no, uh, I'm not trying to be funny with this, but they like they're literally the diamond of the area as a basketball program. They're consistently great, always winning their conference, always getting recruits. They are the standard of this area. They really are. And Brenda Freeze, great coach. Um, it 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 was really weird to me when she ends up losing great players like Alexi Brown, Destiny Slocum, ends up uh, losing Shakira Austin from last year's program. It's, it's it's a weird thing, and I don't know if it's because they want to get out of the area, if they're not comfortable with the with the program, whatever it may be. It's weird, but no matter what, you always the rich always get richer. End up getting the, the number two recruit in the, in the nation with An, with Angel Reese. It's like it doesn't even matter. Um, but I forgot what the question was. Can you tell me the question one more time? I'm sorry. Yeah, the question was, um, do you believe that there's another another WNBA prospect? on Maryland's team besides Diamond Miller. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Ashley Owusu. She six foot. She's flat she's a flat six foot. She's physical. She gets her shot off whenever she wants. She can get to the rim. She will bear she will wear your ass out. And I love to see that in the basketball player. Like she has no problem backing you down and just and, and, and killing you. You know, and that's what you want in a WNBA guard. Especially at her size, six foot. How many guards do you see like that? At any level? It's impressive, man. Give as much as you give Diamond Miller her flowers, give Ashley her flowers too. I mean, she went from a starting point guard last year. She gets, she goes up to the bench, becomes Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Now she's back to starting. She's got another great teammate, and in, then in, in Diamond Miller replaces Kalia Charles. Like again, rich get richer, and Diamond Miller has really improved her stock, and I and I'm happy for her for that. You know, it, it's crazy because. Maryland in the ACC, especially the women's team, was a staple of that conference. They were always making the NCAA tournament. They were always in the mix to win the ACC tournament. And here they are, and they switch conferences, and they're doing the same thing, except it's in a arguably a much more difficult conference mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. And I think that's one of the things that has really helped this program is the consistency and they're consistently producing great basketball players diamond miller ashley Owusu, katie benson chloe baby angel reese mimi collins that's six players averaging in the double digits so and I, is angel reese even back yet no she's only played four games this year so no. yeah because i think she's i think she she hurt her foot i think she's coming back in like february i want to say 
the thing is, like, this may be their best team in a very long time. And they've had great teams. But the fact is, in 15 years, they haven't won a championship. So, to close out the podcast, I'll throw this question out to you guys. I'll start with Brooks. What is it going to take for the Maryland women's team to win the NCAA championship, especially with other great teams in the mix, like UConn and Tennessee and Stanford? You got to you gotta hope that one of those teams falls off and, and really struggles somehow. I mean, Connecticut, they proved their grit last night against Tennessee. Paige Buchers on a bad ankle ends up hitting a dagger three. Uh, Tennessee, they came back almost. They made they made a game out of it within the last two three minutes. Um, haven't seen Tennessee or uh, uh, Baylor play too much. Haven't seen uh, haven't I mean haven't seen too much women's basketball. But I know Maryland, even when they're a Final Four team, man, it always seems like the inevitable comes, and that's always in the UConn. That's always in the South Carolina. That's always in another great team. Like you need to hope that another team falls off somehow and Maryland can just capitalize on it. Jalen, I'll throw the same question out to you. Do you believe Maryland has a chance to win the NCAA tournament? I think they have a legit chance. I think the only thing is, Ryan, I brought her name up beforehand when we were talking about uh, the unsung uh, heroes in NCAA women's basketball in that episode. I think the road goes through Dana Evans and Louisville, and I think that's kind of the big thing because, I mean, they've been hooping it all year. They're at the top of the standings right now. I think they'll be able to hold that through for the rest of the year um, unless there's, like, a big upset somewhere down the stretch. Um, and I think the other thing for them, too, is just the fact that I think Brooks said it best. Like, it's always, like, around, like, the Elite Eight Final Four area where you just run into the buzzsaw of a Connecticut team or a Louisville team in this year's uh, case. Uh, in this year's case, even someone like South Carolina or NC State is in the mix ahead. So I think the biggest thing is that I think we have a great collection of talent in this situation where when the lights get bright, we don't have to be worried about somebody having an off night being the reason why they fall off. This is a team that's very, like, spread out from a talent standpoint. And, I mean, if we can argue that they have two, two-and-a-half WNBA uh, prospects on their team, I think that's something to be able to lean on. I just think the biggest thing for them is um, we just got to continue to see how they do in conference play. But right now, especially in comparison to the men's team, they're killing it. So before we close out the podcast with our question of the day for our fans, Brooks, do you have anything that you would like to promote? Uh, just promote HMO, man. Hear me out, podcast. Follow us on uh, Instagram, HMO.ENT. I think it's the same for the Twitter. Uh, you know, follow me on, on Twitter and Instagram, too. Brooks, three O's, two K's, three S's for both of them. And, uh, once again, thank you guys for having me on. Maryland basketball. Like I've been saying this whole podcast, stop messing around. Look in your backyard. Go up 95. See what's going on in Baltimore. See what's going on in Dematha, WCAC. Literally, we have the best high school basketball conference in the country. The only one that is known countrywide. There is no reason why local talent doesn't go to Maryland, doesn't go to Georgetown, doesn't go to UVA. It's ridiculous, guys. I'm going to hammer that home every time we talk about college basketball. 
because it's sad. It's very, very sad. It's very, very saddening. I don't want to think about it anymore. Ryan, I'll give it back to you. Preach, sir. Preach. He didn't. He he didn't said everything you gotta say, bro. Look in your backyard. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans: Do you believe Mark Turgeon should be fired? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you once again to our guest Brooks Warren. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.